0: Water, water everywhere and not a drop to drink. Samuel Taylor Coleridge's ancient mariner really needed... Technical assistance. If only the European Investment Bank had been around uh, 200 years ago, then he would have had the technical assistance to turn all the water that was around him, which was the sea, into something that he could drink.
1: Yes. So today's show is going to about less about financial poetry, terms, less about poetry, less yeah. about poetry and less about financial terms. But it does give you an interesting insight about the interesting projects that you come across when you work at a bank, at a financial institution. Which we do, which we do, even though we're not bankers. No, we're definitely not. But we talk to bankers and we try to understand them and we try to make friends with them so they would tell us what all of the stuff means. Mm, I'm
0: most concerned about our listeners. Do they like us enough to subscribe? Ah, Which they should. They should subscribe to this podcast. Review us and rate us. Yeah, let's go for the subscribe first. That's the most important one because then every week they will get episodes like this one uh, appearing on their phone and wherever else they listen. We've got... The last couple of weeks, we've had internal rate of return. We've had de-risking. We've had know your customer. This week, it's the Red Sea, Dead Sea pipeline. Next week, it's going to be the story of the euro and following that credit risk. So you really should subscribe. You can't miss any of that stuff from the European Investment Bank. This week on a Dictionary of Finance from the European Investment Bank, technical assistance. Wait, not again, I hear you say. It was so good the first time around. How could you possibly be doing it again? Well, we're going to go even better this time because that was technical assistance about four episodes again, right, Allah? And that was about technical assistance in Europe. But now it's going to be technical assistance in a development context outside Europe. And particularly, we're going to be looking at some uh, case studies, some particular... Uh, technical assistance projects on some fairly amazing stuff in the Middle East and Africa uh, and North Africa. And those will be all in the water sector because we have two water experts with us today. We have Harold Schulzel who's an engineer, and Edouard Perrin, who is an economist. Let's talk a little bit about one of the projects that we wanted to highlight today. And it's really one of the things that I find one of the most fascinating things that the bank has, has done or is in the act of doing that's the red sea dead sea pipeline before we talk about where that's at at the moment harold can you tell us technically why there's a need for that and uh what's it's what's it going to be when it's finished hopefully one day
2: yeah um i mean The the entire project, it's uh, well, what usually a water engineer would call a lifetime project to be involved in because it has such uh, this high uh, visibility and obviously, well, not obviously, but it's a project that's been talked about for literally um, centuries because there was always... Uh, The idea that because the Dead Sea is at minus 400 meters below um, sea level, that there could be a connection between the Red Sea and the Dead Sea in order to generate power from the difference in in altitude. Because just for, for idiots
0: like me to make it perfectly clear, the Red Sea is at sea level. Well that's Yeah so it goes down to sea down level. There. Yeah it's not Yeah so I had to think about it for a moment though so I'm just letting our listeners know just to make sure. Thank you that's okay.
2: helpful. Yeah I uh-huh. guess it, I, I can be more specific and call it red sea that, uh, red sea sea level than, <laughs> um, Now the uh, but the, the as I said the old idea about this project was mainly to generate power because both is salt water and as such not fit uh, uh, for human consumption as it is. You know, uh, the difference being that the Dead Sea water is so salty that you can literally almost walk over it. Uh, um, yeah. So the
1: idea is that the, the, the water would flow from the Red Sea sea level down to the Dead Sea sea level
2: and what and generates power in the process. What happens to the water then? Mm. That w- that was the old concept. The modern project uh-huh. we are now financing. Um, after um, many studies have been carried out, yeah, the EIB was not involved in in developing the concept of this project. Yeah, the original concept has been developed under studies that were supervised by the World Bank, and they finished it um, like I think 2013. Uh, with funds from various European countries, and uh, then the uh, Jordanian government basically tried to find uh, find uh, well um, a structure under which this project could be financed. but as i said the the, the this modern project is if you want multipurpose uh, and the the idea to generate power is no longer in the in in, in the center of it the, the the center of the project is to generate potable water in a region that has uh, literally no water to spare particularly in the context of the refugee well what's been usually called the refugee crisis um, yeah jordan has given um well Refuge to like one point five million people, or probably at least a million, without complaining, Um, from Syria, from Syria mainly, and that has obviously exacerbated the project. But the project, it's 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 not a reaction to the refugee crisis. It's something that has been planned strategically, because Jordan is short of water. And the region there is short of water. As such, it's one of the most water-scarce regions in the world. So, one one purpose of this project is to um, desalinate Red Sea water. So, when you take 100 liters of seawater, uh, in this case from the Red Sea, um, yeah, and desalinate it, you usually get something like 45 liters of potable water, and 55 liters um, uh, that has the, Almost double than the saltiness of, of what it had before, and usually this water is being put back from where you took it, and there's usually also no problem uh, with it because the the ocean is really a very vast and uh, um, body. Here in this case, um, the, the situation is a bit different because um, there is not so so much, not enough currents. And people and there's studies that point towards a problem in general. Yeah, to put uh, that, that they could, or, uh pointing out a problem that there could be salt accumulation in that particular area. So if yeah. you put
0: if you put the brine back into the Red Sea and keep
2: the drinking water, you would be harming the Red Sea. That is potential. an assumption. There's yeah. a potential mm-hmm. uh, there, which is probably uh, not. Very probable, but it it is a uh, uh, um, could be become a problem. So the idea was, well, how could we or how could the project dispose of the brine and not harming the Red Sea, but at the same time creating other benefits? And then the idea was um, to transfer it to the Dead Sea, because the Dead Sea is very uh, quickly. Um, it, well, disappearing, that's the right word for it. Um, yeah, The water levels in the Dead Sea fall by more than one meter uh, per year, and there's nothing currently going on that points towards this process becoming uh, coming to a halt. And that, that's it, happening
0: because the water that usually goes in there is being used by farmers upstream,
2: as it were. Is that one of the... That is one of the issues. The other issue is, and that is uh, even more important, it is the potash industry that has been um, uh-huh. actually extracting and using Dead Sea water to extract minerals. Yeah, it's an important uh, economic uh, uh-huh. activity for Jordan and for Israel. Yeah, who and well, yeah, the, because the Dead Sea is being shared by. Um, Israel and Jordan and the Palestine Authority.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So the idea is, uh, like I said, not uh, anymore to transfer large amounts of water and generate energy because it, it proved, proved to be far too expensive to realize. So, But uh, nonetheless, the idea now to um, dump the brine in the Dead Sea Still means that there is a sizable um, potential to generate energy. So the water, the, the brine, will be uh, transferred to the Dead Sea via a pipeline. That uh, and on this pipeline there will be three hydropower plants that will generate energy, and so uh, reduce the overall energy bill um, that comes from uh, well that is basically driven by the desalination process. Desalination requires energy. So the whole the
1: whole project, first of all, creates potable water for Jordan and, and Israel, and, Israel uh, creates, and Palestine and Palestine and uh, creates energy and also uh, replenishes the the Dead Sea, which is otherwise diminishing. Well wow, that's probably pretty pretty, uh, pretty amazing. It
0: sounds like a great project. So, what has to happen for it to to get off the ground, you mentioned Harold, There's the World Bank study, but Edward, where where does the technical assistance come in here? What what does so, that really? There's imp- been
3: there's been a lot of technical assistance on the World Bank side, on the EIB side, engineering. So Haral can talk about it a bit more. On the, the economic side, actually, what because what's what's really unique about this project is that it's not just a, a pipeline from Red Sea to Dead Sea and just water like this. There is an old context of uh, uh, multiple countries involved in it. All the project is based on a tripartite agreement between Palestine, Jordan, and Israel. And there is an old water swap agreement behind. So there is actually the water is desalinated in the south of Jordan, in Aqaba. Part of it is for Jordan. Part of it goes for Israel. In exchange, Israel sells water to Palestine Uh, and release some water, sell some water from Lake Tiberias in the north of Jordan. And in addition, some part of the water that was used in Aqaba goes through another pipeline toward Amman. So all this is very tricky and complicated. So part of the technical assistance we did here was to to try to understand the project. Is the project justified? And it's what we do at EIB to, to understand. So it's an economic analysis to understand the benefits. Does it make sense? Uh, the, what's the value of the debt? Sea what's the value of the project?
0: Mm-hmm. And does, is that something that the the EIB does and finances, or is it in, does it involve other organisations?
3: Yeah, it, it's what we so the World Bank did one study before, and we decided to carry another study actually with IFD. It's something that. Usually, most of IFIs are doing that because we are not traditional banks. That's the French Development Agency. Yes, the French yeah. Development Agency. We are not tradi- a traditional commercial bank. We finance uh, we finance only projects that have a positive impact on society that are economically justified.
1: So this technical assistance uh, provides a a study about uh, the feasibility and uh, uh, of the project which is then helpful to the project's promoters. Uh, to attract financing is that so what what what's what's the use of this study to to them
3: there are two parts there are actually several packages of uh, that we did with uh, with afd and uh, the economic part is one part the economic part is really to to facilitate the financing and uh, is actually mandatory uh, for eib but also for others particularly because the project will be partially financed by grants so you need to see that it's we calculate economic rate of return we do cost benefit analysis return and that that the part is to, to justify the financing but there is also the and I can talk about it all this part of feasibility study and uh, energy study brain study there are so many packages of how many studies
2: were there in this <laughs> i 'd like to say an infinite uh,
3: uh, uh,
2: amount of studies uh, but the 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 World Bank did the initial or supervised the initial uh, feasibility study and and that led to to the overall concept uh, which i well just mm-hmm. outlined mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a while ago and when but in order to take that to uh, to an to a stage when it can be really implemented, and and uh, to and, and construction companies to come in. You have and and close financing. Yeah, you have to to well after a, a risk analysis analysis uh, close the gaps. Yeah, where you still feel you have not sufficient information. So what we did in 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 this case um, with in this case it was called met 5p uh, funds that we had available we um, the the eib managed um five different technical assistance assignments yeah one key assignment was the an, an updated environmental impact assessment mm-hmm. so so
1: this would look at what the, what the brine would do to the to the dead sea and Amongst other
2: things, it is, it is uh, basically a review of the latest planning. Yeah? When you do a feasibility study, you have not really decided where to put the assets. Mm-hmm. Yeah? You have not okay. uh, done where the, where the down desalination plant would be and so forth. Yeah, and how you actually, it's a long pipeline. Yeah? It's, uh, altogether, it's 235-kilometer pipeline. And surprisingly enough, this is a very important bird area. Um, mm-hmm. ah. I, did, I didn't know it this is one um, there are about 500 million birds passing through that um, Gulf of Aqaba section so this is it's it's really a very important uh, habitat on their migration yeah and, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and I'd like to think that because there's not so much vegetation and anything there. It's, it's, fly over it. it's desert now. Well, but what I was going to say is when we started the environmental impact assessment, I believe I have seen every tree uh, um, in that on, on, the the, on, on the whole corridor, corridor, because, corridor because there's yeah. so few. And obviously, if there's only uh, like a couple of hundred trees... Yeah, which is the natural vegetation there. You don't want to run your pipeline through them just because it is convenient mm-hmm. uh, uh, and probably a bit cheaper. Mm-hmm. So the, the the that is one aspect. Yeah, one aspect is in fact um, because it's to our knowledge never been done before to um, to to uh, pass large amounts of salt water over two hundred three uh, over two hundred kilometers. Through and over uh, important aquifers. Yeah, so,
1: so this this pipe, how big of a pipe are we talking about? Uh, we're
2: talking th- two meter, two, 2. point two? nine meter.
1: Oh, wow, almost three meter. And this yeah, would you be can drive a car through it. Wow, and this would be buried with some difficulty, but you, can, uh, you will. <laughs> this yeah. would be buried, or this would be on yeah, on the, the ground. Or?
2: The pipeline will be fully buried. Mm-hmm. But these are also results of of course of uh, or, or let's say consequences of the impact assessment. It mm-hmm. would be cheaper not to. Bury it. Mm-hmm. But um, on the other hand, it's much safer and mm-hmm. it's much less disturbing. Yeah, a three mm-hmm. meter pipeline. It's a big pipe. Uh, you, you, well, how would you cross it? Yeah? There's people who have um, farmers who still have uh, sheep and uh, sheep, sorry, uh, yeah, herding there, and, 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 and it would be always a problem for migrating animals to cross such a pipeline. So it's much easier. So we and, have the environmental study and yeah and then we had um, well a study on the risk a risk analysis of the groundwater um, uh, for the groundwater to be contaminated by by uh, leaking by leaks in the pipeline or by pipeline births um, we had like i said the environmental impact assessment we had an uh, analysis and a survey of of Reef lava uh, mm-hmm. in the Red Sea. Yeah, we had uh, we supervised the study on alternatives for the intake. Yeah, and there's huge amounts of water that are being transferred to the to the desalination plant. Yeah, it's a huge pipe that sits in the ocean, and um, it's not well. Pe- usually, you would say it sucks in water, but it's exactly not to, s- supposed to suck it because. Otherwise, you would suck in. I shouldn't say that. All you'd the suck time,
0: in. I about Aqaba, You'd suck in a lot now, of scuba, you, 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 you scuba you divers on holiday as uh, well.
2: Exactly. You want to have very low velocities because yeah. all the small animals would be entrained. Is the right word? Yes. And,
0: and the scuba divers, of course. Yes, that's right. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's a, it's a lot of studies, and it's clearly very, very complex. more. Yeah, yeah.
2: But uh, we but, can leave it like uh, <laughs> to, to, to,
0: to that. Let me turn to the economist to say.
3: How much does all this cost? And
0: how much... Where does the money come from
3: for all this? It costs... It costs some money. So it costs... It costs more than one billion for phase one. But... Um, and the money for the moment is still, it's still getting arranged. So we're not, we're not there yet. The, the, the appraisal is ongoing. You know, at, at EIB, we have, it's, a, it's a public private partnership, so we have two stages. So for the financing, there are a lot of donors who are going to do some loans and partially grants. So... Mm-hmm. EIB, World Bank, IFD, uh, a lot of them are...
0: So meaning meaning to actually build the pipeline, stage one will cost more than a billion Mm -hmm. euros. But what about the technical assistance? How much does that cost? Or how much of a grant is there for the technical assistance? Is it a grant? It's
3: it's a grant for the technical assistance. Uh, The first packages of studies that was done by the World Bank, financed by mostly EU countries, was uh, 16 million euros. So that was the one done by the World Bank. And for, the, for this one, all, all together, what was it? you remember?
2: Well, we're talking roughly 3
0: million. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, listeners will know about Gaza and the situation there. Harold, you've been working on technical assistance there for a uh,
2: not entirely uh, different kind of project.
0: But tell us about that one.
2: Yeah, we've been, the EIB has been involved since uh, 2011 in helping the Palestine Authority and in particular the Palestine Water Authority to prepare uh, a, a program, I'd like to call it, uh, that would hopefully then resolve the the water crisis in, in Gaza, at least for a generation or for the next generation to come. And um, again, we also uh, use technical assistance available to us. In this case, um, it, the, the financing was made available by the European Commission. So these, it's usually not the EIB money we're using. Yeah? We're using EIB uh, resources, human resources, uh, to, to manage uh, those studies and um, or, uh, but. The money is usually coming from from other sources. In this case, it was the European Union, and we're using uh, it to prepare uh, contracting documents, to prepare a tendering concept and, um, again, closing gaps. It's a very uh, important concept um, that we pursue in general with technical assistance, that we look at projects and see that there is gaps we would need to have closed before we can go to our um, approving internal authorities yeah, uh, and and ask for these projects to be approved. So that is the ultimate purpose uh, of of these technical assistance. Hmm. Yeah, and in the case of Gaza, it's a 500 million euro endeavor where we work very closely with. Again, the World Bank, but um, also with many other players in 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 the Middle East. And where does it stand now? The technical assistance has been done, and yeah, it's. I wouldn't call it the technical assistance has been done. Yeah, one feature is that uh, sometimes it's very hard to draw a line and decide this has been done. Yeah, you can do it if you if you. Yeah, these technical assistance they vary between implementing assignments or implementation assignments or just providing very specific information. yeah A thing where you say, okay, tell me if this, what I spoke about before, this intake will work. That's an assignment that has a very clear beginning and an end um, and a very clear statement. But with these implementation consultancies or implementation technical assistance, is usually not so uh, difficult, but uh, not, not so easy. I'm sorry, because uh, yeah, there's all kinds of of side effects and events happening. Yeah, where we stand is we believe we have um, now pledges from donors um, that will allow us to start the tendering uh, procedure for the desalination for a desalination plant in Gaza uh, very soon. Yeah. Another interesting feature of that is that it would, and that is also based on the technical assistance supervised by the EIB, that it will be the first large desalination facility that uh, will run to a substantial uh, percentage on renewable energy, directly connected to the plant. Is meaning solar energy, probably. Exactly.
0: Uh huh. So, if everything goes very, very well, when would that actually be built? When would people in Gaza be drinking that water?
2: If everything went well in five years.
0: Thank you so much. That was really great. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on a dictionary of finance uh, from the European Investment Bank. If you need uh, technical
1: assistance to uh, subscribe to our podcast in the future, then don't hesitate to get in touch with us uh, via Twitter. I'm at our Tankler. And
0: I'm at EIB Matt, E-I-B-M-A-T-T. And uh, a quick shout out to uh, Barbara from Poland who listens to the podcast while she's doing her ironing. I hope you had a good time with your ironing tonight that we were talking about steam, weren't we? So there's a little bit of ironing there. Join us next week when you need to do some more ironing on a dictionary of finance from the European Investment Bank.